Welcome to my backyard, <laughs> the Heavy Hole Barbecue Atheist Edition episode. I'm Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm full of burger right now. <laughs> really, just hitting me. Sitting in. How are you guys doing? I, I'm pacing myself. <laughs> we got these uh, these jalapeno chicken mango sausages that I wrapped with bacon for Dan Olivencia out of respect. Uh, but we got a special guest, man. Come on, Tom. Alright, you, uh, you might know him from such shows as Roast Mortem Cast and other shows such as Roast Mortem. Uh, we got Travis Lee sitting at the table. Oh, that was going on. He wanted his pork chop. It was really good. Pork wait, chop specialist. Wait, is this where, where metal happens? How come we're always in the basement? Anyway, you, with your metal friends, you're outside having a nice old day. I don't want to be seen with you. <laughs> Yeah, you can hear we're outside in Tom's backyard having a nice little barbecue on Memorial Day 2019. You can hear the dogs, the neighbors, the sirens, the people in downtown Huntington Village getting drunk probably in a few hours. General fun just happening. Yeah. And uh, this, like Tom, Tom, you said, this is our special atheist barbecue, the band Atheist from Florida. First album, Peace of Time, re uh, released in uh, 1990, uh, January 1990, recorded in 88. It was a little bit of a delay, I think, with the distribution in the United States. Uh, and since it is Memorial Day, we should give a metal Memorial Day shout to uh, Roger Patterson, rest in peace, who was the bass player on that album mm -hmm. we just listened to. So the uh, for the listeners, can I just you know give them, catch them up to speed what we're doing here? Absolutely. We're a little drunk, we're barbecuing lots of stuff, and we're listening to all four Atheist albums and giving you a little... Uh, a little rundown, um, our thoughts, our, our opinions, our recommendations, and, and so on and so forth, because they're playing uh, New York. Right. And With, uh, uh, suffocation and internal bleeding. So what do you guys think of Peace of Time? Uh, Peace of Time is 
Super technical track. It, it reminds me a lot of, of Death, and it's funny because this album was recorded maybe a year to a handful of months after um, after Leprosy. Uh, no, actually, actually after uh, Scream Bloody Gore was released, because Scream Bloody Gore was 87, right? Yeah, I think so. And Possessed came out in 87, and, and the technicality and the musicianship on this album by Atheist Piece of Time, it's it almost sounds like I was saying before, like Death like maybe like human or symbolic era death went back and and, and 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 like started writing in the style of scream bloody gore again or something you know what i mean because it's got that little technicality there but it's still so early pioneering death metal you know what i mean like it's like oh, absolutely. you could tell yeah. that that scream bloody gore and leprosy influence is a big deal to them recorded by scott burns more sound mm-hmm. so it's got a lot of that trademark style that you know trademark production that, that a lot of the bands were using back then but it's, it's very clear the album yeah, is yeah. Their, their whole catalog as we'll, we'll talk about it, it's very uh, the production is really fine um, yeah absolutely something about it as a fellow of, atheist yeah. I approve <laughs> fantastic <laughs> what's, what's setting this band apart from the, the, the ones we just mentioned though is this sort of like uh, especially on this first record these like little like glints uh, of prog like thrown in you know you can tell this yeah. band is like drawing influences from Yes and Rush and uh, yep. the odd time signatures and you know, amazing musicianship. Yeah, so, we'll see how that that prog seed flowers like, as we go. You're right. Yeah, because I was actually a lot more familiar with the album we're about to listen to, their second album, Unquestionable Presence, mm-hmm. than I was with Peace of Time. I'd heard Peace of Time, and, you know, when I was younger. Hearing it now, I would almost recommend it to younger people who maybe are familiar with like horrendous. Morbus Kron, Execration, that style of death metal, but didn't do their homework because this Atheist album, this first Atheist album, it's like that. You know what I mean? It's got that old school classic death sound, but with the like the, the jazz and the tech death influences there, but not enough to be like proggy. But like you said, like the rush and the you know, this there's there's something going on with the rhythm section and the bass and the some of the parts, the timing is just a little strange and, and you know, not as um like maybe maybe breaking with the thrash and becoming a little proto tech death. You can tell there's more, a little more under the surface that they're experimenting with. Absolutely, man. It's, and, and when you like hear the whole catalog and context, that first album, it's like it's the kind of jazz and you know the flavor is just ready to burst out of this death metal show. So. I think as someone who dabbles in metal, I'm not as knowledgeable as you guys, but that album that we listened to like was a very good like intro to death metal sound. Like it was palatable. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know exactly like all you know. I listen to that show and everything, but like that was like super palatable compared to a lot of like modern, I guess, death metal that I've kind of heard. Like you can put that on and like for your grandma, and she'd be like, "It's nice, I hear it." <laughs> the pop, the boop, the bat, the beat. It's, I, it's got that, yeah, and it's it's part of its. Um, it's never booming, you know. There's never a boomy point. It's it's refined, and I think that speaks to what he's trying to say. Is like it's it's. Uh, you know the musicianship is is very refined. Like guys that probably studied in other styles of music and got their chops up, and the, and the writing has little, you know, little quirks that make it interesting to, to maybe you're not not your average, you know, just just death and grind listener. You know what I mean? Like uh, those early death albums and a lot of the early death metal. It's it's it was purposely raw, purposefully you know sped up and you know extreme. Whereas this atheist, like you say, like it's a little more palatable maybe to, to your person that's not just looking for extremity in music, but also some musicianship and some very like interesting songwriting. So that speaks to how it's like a proto tech death album too, you know? Because nowadays a lot of music, a lot of like death metal is all about the musicianship and how much jazz and music school they can integrate into it. 
That's true, yeah. And I mean, the music school term, that's the go-to, but this is this is music school done right for me. Yeah, this is like the uh, the music school kid who does acid during the summer and comes back and you know, it's, really, it's funky, you know, yeah. yeah. Spend all of daddy's money on yeah. tuition. Yeah. <laughs> Did drugs in Morocco and came back for senior semester and he's ready, you know. Bought a new drum. <laughs> into the, the land of unquestionable presence, Atheist's second album. We're going to take that in for a bit, so why don't you check some of that out and we'll catch back up with you and talk about it.
presence of that siren yes. made me uh, uh, cut a little bit, you know, because I never did a podcast outside before, and I had a feeling it was a great idea, and I was right. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. We're grilling. We're eating. We had the unquestionable presence just now. Uh, that album, man, they really let the kind of like jazz and, and prog burst out. It was a uh, big, big departure from the first album. First album still had like the old school death metal thrash influence. This time on unquestionable presence, it almost seems like that, like that's the flavor. Like they throw some death metal flavor into the the complicated technical jazz menagerie that they're doing. You know. It translates so well with all the riffs, all the crazy riffs that are going on there. You can you can just sit back and you hear everything, and the fills, the drum fills. Steve Flynn on drums, just doing the most mind-boggling stuff. And the guitars are almost like it's almost like the guitars and drums are swapping duties in this album. Like the guitars yeah. are holding it yeah. down, and the drums are just doing these crazy fills that are just lead drums. going. Yeah, lead, lead drums. drums. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, those the, the fills and the, the drum were very tasteful. The double bass yeah. keeping it brutal mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, everything's so much more complex rhythmically, though, man. Like re- really weird. And uh, you know, as we said, Rod, excuse me, Roger Patterson passed away in 1991, who played bass on Piece of Time. So Tony Choi plays bass on Unquestionable Presence, their second album. Uh, I know, you know, I think we brought this up on the show once before. He's actually now in like a Grammy nominated salsa band. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Very, very dynamic <laughs> player, uh, you know. And I, I believe the same year he played on Pestilence's um, Testimony of the Ancients album, Tony mm. Choi. Yeah. Uh, incredible bass player. You got to wonder, I don't know um, off the top of my head how much. Uh, Roger Patterson wrote uh, be, of the bass lines before he passed away. From, from my little Wikipedia looking yeah. down, that uh, Roger Patterson did a lot of the songwriting. Okay. Uh, for un- Unquestionable Presence before he died, and then Tony Choi uh, obviously listened to the demos and stuff, so there are some demos out there of Patterson playing it, <clears throat> okay. obviously without vocals and stuff. And those are on yeah. some of the remasters, but, uh, but Tony Choi is a great choice. He also played on a couple of Cynic albums, I think. Yeah, 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 amazing bass player, uh, just for all the bass players listening. But that's what's interesting, too, is that if uh, Roger Patterson did write a lot of the bass work on this album before he passed away, then you had the same lineup of Kelly Schaefer and Rand Berkey on guitars, and like you said, Steve Flynn on drums. So these guys, they wrote Piece of Time, and in three years' uh, span of time, they came out with uh, their second album, Unquestionable Presence, which was like a big jump for all of them musically. Yeah, you know, absolutely. drums, guitar work, everything. Even, you know, the vocals are a little more bold. Vocals stay, you know, more or less the same style. Um, obviously, he's, he's doing some different type of stuff, you know, in terms of patterns this time just because the music's so different. But real real big jump for, like, not not huge lineup changes, you know? And it's yeah. obvious right off the bat. I mean, the, way, the way the album starts off, it's just, like, straight technicality and groove. Yeah. I yeah. kind of want that, like... Uh, yeah, when the album starts with the two bass notes that kick in, yeah. I want that to be my uh, message tone on my phone. <laughs> I got, I got a question on track two. Mm-hmm. Who's credited as the spooky ghost? <laughs> All right, I don't have the answer to that. It's probably David Blaine. <laughs> David <laughs> Blaine, he's alive. Yeah, but uh, he he's also dead sometimes. You know how it is when you're a magician. You can play both sides of the field. Yeah, Travis, what do you think about the that it was, album? It was changing so much, but it felt like I was uh, flipping channels on a. Saturday morning through like Saturday morning cartoon intros. <laughs> like, yeah! And then there was like some sweet solo. <laughs> yeah, it was just true. groovy. It was really groovy. There, yeah, there, well, there's a, like I was saying before, like it, it almost sounds like power metal for, you know, everyone's like, they, they don't stay in one place long, but every once in a while they have those like more uh, 
upbeat kind of up-tempo parts, like very triumphant, you know, and the, and the lead guitars are... Uh, like, right, it's a very positive sounding. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't overall. expect you to say that. It's super happy. But it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. true though, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy. You guys are the inst- the musicians. You're supposed to know this stuff. I'm, I know. Yeah. yeah, I know the word. I'm grasping at straws here. You're doing a good job. <laughs> all right, you're on. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, I, so in a major way, these guys are playing the guitar uh, leads and all that stuff. Man. Yeah. And, was, and that, was that a pun, sir? A major, major in a major yeah, well, way. Yeah, I'm glad somebody <laughs> caught it. You get Travis on more often, man. You guys are sleeping on some of my puns. But but yeah, man. They're, they're real like you, you see the jazz and the prog like Justin mentioned maybe some Rush or something like that influence really coming out on this album man and the death metal is almost a, a flavor injected into that you know? yep uh, it's it's all over the place there's the jazz there's Latin rhythms like sprinkled yep. throughout this is like the perfect kind of Grateful Dead you know it seems very jammy at times like yeah you for, know yeah for the listeners I do have uh, a pink tie-dye bandana on <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is like this is death metal for when you want to garden <laughs> or allegedly eat edibles, you know, or something of that nature. Like it's definitely like getting in touch with nature type yeah, of death metal. It's pretty yeah. far out, man. I took my shoes <laughs> it's off. Trippy, trippy. Yeah. yeah, for fans of maybe later era death uh, and cynic, I would say. You know what I mean? If you haven't checked these guys out, get to it, man. We also referenced decrepit birth when we were talking before. Yeah, That's there's right. something about decrepit birth's writing where you could tell that they borrowed some of the. Um, the guitar playing, there's patterns in there that are very distinct in uh, Kelly Schaefer's playing that you can see in Decrepit Birth stuff. Not that they're ripping them off, but there's a, uh, they've, they've drawn a great amount of inspiration from this. Thing. This is a foundational record in, in, the, in terms of uh, proggy tech depth or technical metal in general. It's like a, a huge building block in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure like countless bands after this have been influenced by this particular record try to do their own their own thing about it. Mentions uh, Decrepit Birth and Sean Martinez, the bass player of Decrepit Birth, is playing bass for Atheist. I noticed it's a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so without any other further ado, well, why don't we get into the next one? We got elements up, so we're gonna listen to that. Probably come back a touch drunker, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> Stick Love. around. Premium Rush. Love this band.
right, that was uh, Elements, the third album by Atheist. It was released uh, in August 93. Yep. Um, big big departure in a lot of ways. Uh, like You could still say it was an album that mixed jazz and death metal, but not in the way Unquestionable Presence did, right? Not fluidly at all. Very mellowed out, kind of uh, yeah. watered down a little bit. It was like an advent calendar of an album. Ooh, you know, you just <laughs> open it up, see what's in there. Sometimes you don't give a shit about it because there's all these little interludes that really were half-assed. But there's good parts of the album. I can't say it's it's not their strongest one. There's always that one piece of chocolate in an advent calendar. You're like, fuck yeah, it's got peanut butter in it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's a good one. Yeah. yeah but I then, can't, I'm not going to shit on it entirely, but it is, it's not my favorite. Yeah, not not my particular favorite. I'm not going to go in as hard as you guys did right off the rip. <laughs> Sorry, man. Interesting that it's called Elements, because it's almost like they like extrapolated the elements from the first from the first two albums of like the jazz and the death metal. And there's some more straightforward metal parts, even like maybe more like uh, like early black metal, early you know thrash metal, like traditional metal parts in there. And then like they switch gears entirely, like genre switch into like straight salsa or straight jazz, you know. And it's like they're, they, they, those parts were blended better in Unquestionable Presence. Still some good stuff. Some more like black metal, dark sounding stuff going on in this album. I thought. Uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate some of the things that they tried to do, but um, yeah. Yeah. Doing a little research on this, this was the first album that Steve Flynn, player on uh, Peace of Time and Unquestionable Presence, he wasn't on this album. So the drumming is uh, not, it's not as exciting. Um, yeah, jo- uh, Josh Greenbaum is the drummer on this album. A little more straightforward metal style. Still, yeah. He can still keep up. Yes. You know, he, he can still keep up with the technicality and some of the more interesting, like, jazz-influenced rhythms. and but. But he's not like like we were talking before about how uh, on Unquestionable it was almost like the drums were the lead instrument at certain parts. He's not like that. And something I brought up was Tony uh, Chow um, didn't apparently didn't write most of the bass work on Unquestionable. He just kind of came in right um, to, to fill in the place. It sounds maybe like Tony Chow is a lot more involved in the writing on this because the writing is very bass centric on this album, mm-hmm. and it seems like there's almost parts where it's just like a it would be like something you hear on like a, a bass soloist album or something, sure. you know? Like, the, and there's like lots of inter like I hope you like uh, kind of clean, mellow interludes because there's almost as many of those as like metal songs on the album. Justin, what was that thing you were saying about the production on this album? Oh, that the uh, yeah this this album was was written, recorded, mixed done in, in 40 days um, they're saying and, and also that uh, the story goes or whether it's rumor or not it's what's written on the internet so it's it's bound fact, to be true it's fact, yeah, right? usually, it's true, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, was that the band was kind of looking to break up and uh, they were contractually obligated uh, to record this third album so I don't know if that had any impact into why it's such a huge departure from what sounds like a very happy family on the the previous record yeah I, I mean it makes you wonder too like 40 days from when you start writing to when it's finished recording um that's uh i mean you, you don't know what kind of results you're going to get obviously talented musicians but the album does sound a little choppy like maybe there were bits and pieces of ideas used as interludes you know here and there like, like you know what i mean like like maybe they were kind of just like we have this material like what you know like what do you have to bring the well, I, I wrote this song the other day type you know kind of thing like a, maybe rushed maybe choppy something like that and like we said like the jazz and the metal elements seem a little less 
integrated and, and blended, you know what I mean? Like there's there's your two minute jazz part, then there's your three minute metal part. They repeat riffs mm-hmm. a little more than they used to. Like they used to kind of just have a part and you wouldn't even be able to get used to it, you know what I mean? They're, the parts were switching up so quick. Now on this, they linger on parts and that, you know, you gotta be into it, man. It's def- you gotta be ready for something way different than Unquestionable. You can't go into this album like trying to keep riding the unquestionable presence train. You, this, you, yeah, this yeah. is an atheist record more for fans of, uh, of like Dream Theater and like uh, yeah. a mainstream Red Hot Chili album. Peppers. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Flea, Flea stopped by. He was like, oh, you guys are listening to this? Oh, yeah. my favorite. He, you know, Travis was joking, but even that last song, there was a it part was. where like, yeah, you could just hear like Anthony Kiedis like, you know, <laughs> I, I little think, cutie, you're the doobie, you know. California. Yeah. California. Right, yeah. In Florida from California. I gotta say, if like this band is looking to break up and just trying to meet a contractual agreement in getting the album done, then of course it's gonna be a departure. But they're obviously not in it. Thrill is gone. Yeah, exactly. Spark they, is gone. If, they, if they're not trying to be a band anymore, they're just getting out of the contract. They're gonna rush and get whatever's done. Like Unquestionable Presence is so um, fluid. Exactly, and Organic. it's like they worked on every little piece yes. of it. The album's perfectly put together, and this one is like. Okay, maybe these guys are made, want to do something else with their time. I think in its best light, this is a, just a, this record's a more radio-friendly version of Atheist, mm. rather than a, this, I, the slam and tech that we kind of heard before. I, I would call it maybe more like a chronicle. Fair enough. I would call it a chronicle of ideas more than like a full-fledged, polished album from from beginning to end. You know, you kind of just get a lot of these, like some of the songs sound like maybe it was just one member of the band's idea to do this jazz part or this salsa part, you know, and then some of the more metal songs sound like maybe it was one riff that, that didn't really get refined and passed around to every member of the band. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, like the songwriting process was a little more democratic on this than, uh, you know, like... like Someone like, taking the reins on it. Yeah, it exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even like everybody passing everything around till it's very well blended, you know, something like that. Just there, you hear maybe a little bit more individuality in each part rather than just like that atheist atmosphere they had on the on the, the first two albums. The yeah, Chinese so. dinner on the last one. Everyone got their favorite things and we're all just digging in, you know? Yeah, this one's more like... Uh, I don't know. You went to a wedding. What do you want? Fish, chicken. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. I, I like. I like. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, you either got your fish here or your chicken there. You know, you. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, it's not devoid of uh, cool ideas entirely, but it it doesn't really hold up to the the standard that they created with questionable. Yeah. And I, I think this album also was a little bit more like elements is a little more what I refer to as music school death metal, which is not to disparage it, but to just to say it, it has a little more formula. Um, a little more like standardization, I guess, to the technicality. Um, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Whereas Unquestionable Presence had this like kind of like unhinged jazz fusion vibe. This has a little bit more of like a, you know, a guitar center. Uh, like you referenced Dream Theater before, like a little bit more of your your refined progressive music vibe. You know, which nothing wrong with that. But again, if you go from Unquestionable Presence to this, you got to be ready to shift gears. Yes. Absolutely. But speaking of shifting gears, up, up, up. Let's talk about Jupiter. Okay. Let's get in that one. Let's go. So this is the the final atheist full length, and we'll talk more about it when we're done listening to it. But yeah. Oh man. Travel. Oh, and you got uh, one more thing. Well, I just want to mention quickly that we've now completed the original like trilogy of uh, you know Peace of Time released in '90, Unquestionable Presence in '91, and Elements in '93. Now Jupiter, of course, we're jumping ahead to kind of the reunion album in 2010. Yeah. So that's important to note. This is 17 years after the release of the of Elements. 
Um, so let, let's let's buckle up. has the best album art and it's a totally different approach to writing music for that but really good album yeah I gotta say I really enjoyed that I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Elements Mm -hmm. Um, it it, it combined the jazz and the death metal influences a little more fluidly and I found a little bit more that old school Florida death metal on there Um, than maybe Elements Elements to me seemed darker which is not necessarily a bad thing but again, I, f- I felt like this album was just more kind of like fluid. It was very, it was contemporary for the time it was released, you know. So like there was, there was some like a few kind of chuggy parts, you know, a few parts that seemed a little more informed by like where modern death metal was at that point. Good album yeah. overall, man. I, I would definitely rank this. I, in my personal opinion, I like it better than Elements. This yeah. album sounded like a bunch of dudes who went off, lived their life, did something, and then wanted to uh, add on to that legacy and put everything they had so the album is solid and speaking of legacy this is also the album where Steve Flynn returns on drums yes and I feel like that made a big difference because the drumming on the on elements was a little more straightforward like we talked about here he's jumping in with those crazy fills all over the place you know what I mean and um, although you don't have Tony Choi there was a, a new bass player and guitarist team on there um, 
the that rhythm section informed by jazz, but not blatantly jazz, like overtly jazz was there, man. And it was, I think it made all the difference to have Steve Flynn back in the band. Uh, and again, like the, the 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 songwriting was a little little different. It wasn't as as uh, as as like jazz and prog and uh, major scale as. Uh, unquestionable presence, but I really enjoyed that. It was a really good death metal album. A little more aggressive, I think, especially in the vocals too. Like we were talking about the vocals on that album. Yeah, Kelly mm-hmm. sounds pissed throughout. Yeah, that. great, great vocal performance, similar to Chuck from Death. I also got vibes of uh, Destruction. Uh, we we talked about the Destruction uh, band, the band Destruction from Germany. Yes, German thrash band. They had the album released from Agony that we discussed on the podcast yeah, a while which back. Is awesome album, by the way. Yeah, just making that vocal comparison. Um, yeah, a great album, man. Jupiter. Yeah. I think that, uh, I don't know if you guys heard on the previous album, Elements, there was a spooky ghost moment, last track. Elements, sure. elements, elements, elements. Yeah. This one had no spooky ghost. So, in my mind, not as much of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps losing uh, some of the wider commercial metal market with the lack of ghost vocals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was something also about Elements which seemed to be very in tune with the 90s song structure. Yeah, like there were certain parts where it was almost like there was the one part where we were like, that's like Pantera kind of almost. Yeah. Like there was, yeah, you're right, you're right. Maybe a little more in tune with what was going on commercially. But in also, the early 90s. also, like you said before about this album, Jupiter, it seems to be more informed by the more modern metal thing, but they worked it in well. It yeah, seem not contrived at all. Yeah, no, no, like not like deathcore parts or anything like that. If anything, maybe a little informed by bands like Obscura that would come, you know, after the original Atheist album. Right. And even I, you know, I heard like a few um, sparing uh, kind of like chug parts, you know, maybe more along the lines of like your internal bleeding or your suffocation. Not all over the album, but there were a few parts that I you wouldn't re- necessarily hear that on older Atheist. I feel like, you know what I mean. But again, really tasteful. Kind of just like an updated atheist for the times, uh, way more cohesive and fluid and free flowing than elements. You know, well, this yeah. was what 15, 20 years later. I think uh, it was like seven, seventeen, 17 years. Years. years later. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot probably changed since they did elements. You know, a lot yeah. changed, but also a lot of time to go back and examine the formula and see what worked yeah. and what didn't and what they want to recapture and what they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you, you talk about like the music going on in 2010 or whatever is pretty like pretty much like the height of or the, the coming up of a lot of Sumerian records bands mm-hmm. um, a lot of which were probably directly influenced by the early atheist stuff so it's, it's sort of this band coming in and like do, by doing what they do they sort of fit into what was going on uh, with metal at that time right? yeah and by taking like the, the kind of uh, like chaotic song structure of unquestionable and sort of mixing it in with like uh, you know, a more uh, commercial sort of uh, sound and, and elements. Like I think Jupiter's like the best of both worlds in that sort of sense. Yeah, a little bit more of a of a you know a metal album. Like we got, I think we got <coughs> three or four songs in before we even heard an interlude, and it wasn't that 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 long of an interlude. And like uh, you say, like you it, know, it's it, it was buried in the track too. Like yeah. all the tracks, like the other elements. It's if you look at the track listing and the, the times for them, there's like six interlude songs that are all about a minute. Or, excuse me, yeah, it was like four. Four of those, this album had none of that. They had one interlude that was buried into another song yeah. that kind of continued in nicely. No yeah. Latin Samba. What the hell? No. Yeah. Too yeah. gypped. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is one part. The absence. Kind of punk, yeah, kind of. 
spicy, but that's about it. The absence of Tony Choi uh, being felt heavily for the salsa fans. He moved on to Grammys. Yeah, well, he's in it. I mean, Tony Choi, uh, ex-bass player of Atheist and uh, Pestilence and Cynic, are now playing uh, Grammy award-winning salsa music. So, you know, not just like, you know, your, your neighborhood, uh, you know, uncle's salsa band or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, to be fair, the, um, the salsa track on Elephant. Yeah. As much as I think it doesn't belong there, it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, completely out of left field, but you can't you can't fault it, uh, oh. like you know the musicianship or whatever. But just kind of like random. Whereas, like we said on Jupiter, it seems like that that element is there, but it's tucked in, in the in, into the songwriting a little bit more, like with a little more subtlety. So. Yeah, or yeah. an atheist samba album that never was, right? You know, just might be sitting in the vault for all we know. Why <laughs> yeah. awake thinking about it at night? Yeah. Release that. Release that. Let it out. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I guess that kind of wraps it up, right? We, we ate a lot of food. The burgers, there's like one burger left. We did wrap these chicken sausages in bacon. There's a few of those left. Um, all respect to Dan Olivencia. Popped a, popped a couple of Kool-Aids. You have Ooh. to have a Kool-Aid at a barbecue, man. Down a couple of pints of Guinness here. I was meat sweating. At one point, yeah, I don't know if that was from the riffs or from the. It was that salsa <laughs> part combined <laughs> yeah. with the meat. It was a perfect storm for your glands. <laughs> it's really oh, hot boy. before, but now I'm cool. There's yeah. a lot of shredding. Yeah. Shredded. Yeah. Uh, awesome riffs today. That will conclude our atheist discography <laughs> full length <laughs> and the the first bonus episode that we're really doing for Heavy Hole. Yes. Um, if any of our listeners want to suggest bands that we do this again to, shoot it our way. We might we might shoot it down. We might take you up on it. We'll see what happens. But we are going to say this limited to bands that only put out three albums. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> this four albums deal was pushing it, man. Even with a great band like Atheist. Man. So. Yeah. What was your favorites? Favorite album? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we should go list. around yeah. and all yeah. pick yeah. a favorite. Ranking, or we're we just going. I, I don't want to get into ranking. Yeah. I'm a simple man, so I'll, I'll go with uh, Unquestionable. It's mm. just unquestionably the most interesting album they have. Ooh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second what you said. Um, as another simple guy, you know, sitting at the table, I just like riffs, and I like a lot of them. And I like when it's kind of smart. So, uh, unquestionably, unquestionable, number one. Um, I, you know what, man? I hate to I hate to do this and just do the generic thing, but I, in my heart I gotta say unquestionable. I would have said it if you guys hadn't said it. It's not groupthink. It's not peer pressure. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, like nostalgia attached to that album for me too. That's the one that I've spent the most time with. But even after listening to these, and I would even put, you know, I would put piece of time in as a close second for me because it's got such an awesome technical death metal old school feel, like you know, at like atmosphere of like the band death in a lot of ways, man. Okay, so. so well, the variety comes here because my second down would definitely be Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter would be my third, I guess. Yeah, that yeah. one is just um, it's aggressive. It's really aggressive, and it's like polished nicely. It moves. They're trying something different. Also, this is 17 years later, but yeah. they still sound like atheists. I'll, I'll say this: the the first one that I'm going to jump into to, to to hear it more after this that I wasn't as familiar with is going to be Peace of Time. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely like it's it's totally fits the old school vibe that I got now with what I've been listening to, and I really want to do my homework on that album. So, Travis, you're the guest. I didn't want to skip you. I wanted to save you for last. Uh, uh, you know, I got to go with the rest of you guys and say, uh, question. I'm questioning my things in my life. <laughs> I'm questioning a lot of things in my life, and 
You know, that one I think had the best spooky ghost on the second track, so yeah. I gotta give it to <laughs> yeah. questionable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I really liked how it was it was so different. The, you know, every track like kinda moved from one genre to another. You know, you got yeah. your, your your Chinese dinner. <laughs> Chinese dinner, man. Good variety, but it's all there, it's all uniform. I love it. Alright, so I mean I I gotta say I, like we listened to all four albums and we all went with Unquestionable Presence. That mm -hmm. seems to be the majority opinion if you look out there man but all these albums have their merits and although elements kind of like you know had like we picked it apart a little bit man i think there's something really worthy there for fans of this progressive technical death metal and people could definitely get a lot out of that album there's a lot of really interesting moments there just not maybe their most fluid album i agree 100 percent. there is solid uh writing within that album but at the same time we had just come off of unquestionable presence so it's hard to it's Won't hard be right. to do that A-B thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Won't be right. Overall, Atheist, good material. Yeah, so uh, in closing, they're playing June 16th with Suffocation and Internal Bleeding in Brooklyn, New York. So don't miss it, man. And, uh, you know, wherever you are, you know, they're, 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 playing, they're playing lots of shows everywhere. They're doing tours. They're that tour, man. Yeah, check, check out the dates. Hell yeah. All right, thanks for listening to Heavy Hole. Uh, do social media stuff. You can Google that. Uh, I forgot the phone number because my phone is. We're outside. We're not. Yeah. We're not in, <laughs> we're not in the studio. We're not in the studio, man. What are phones, man? Yeah, phones attached to the wall inside. Yeah. The house. It's like a social contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bonus episode, so there's like another more official episode that's attached to, and we probably do the social media at the end of that. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, so I'm gonna drink the rest of these Guinnesses and uh, call the Uber home, and you know, forget that my Jeep is at Tom's house. It's gonna be nasty tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we do. Heavy whole podcast. Peace, y'all. See you after that.